0: Welcome to the EFM Podcast, where we create missional conversations to inspire and equip the local church for a global impact. I'm your host, Tom Tyndale. Our goal at EFM is to plant churches and encourage and help national believers carry out the Great Commission in their own cultures and beyond. Jesus' last command was to make disciples on a global scale. As a believer, that should be your first concern, regardless of whether you're a pastor, a plumber, or a policeman. Yet, the issue of discipleship is very intimidating for most followers of Jesus. Today, our topic is called Surprisingly Simple Discipleship. So let's talk about discipleship. Now, the modern idea of discipleship is quite a bit different than what is demonstrated in Scripture. Uh, Discipleship today, in a lot of context that you've heard, typically means some kind of organized study material arranged by different topics with uh, a series of blanks to fill in based upon different Scripture references you have to look up. And so the idea is once you find a new believer in church, let's say he comes to faith through a soul-winning endeavor, or maybe he he, he answers uh, an invitation at the altar, uh, then you you take him through this Bible study. And so it's sort of like a, a treasure hunt uh, where you you have the answers, you have the blanks, and you have the Scripture references to go fill it in. And so by the time he's done with this Six or eight or 16 week study course, he's going to be well on the road to maturity, stability, and ministry. Now, with that understanding of discipleship, a lot of times uh, local leaders and pastors search for a perfect course uh, that is both interesting and broad enough to cover all of the major ideas that a new believer is supposed to learn. Well, in all reality, very few people actually attempt to get discipled in any way, but uh, fewer still actually complete a program like this. They might start it for a while, but most of them end up petering out. And so this idea of kind of sitting down, going through fill-in-the-blank exercises based on a second grade level, it's, it can be a little awkward. I would say the worst thing about this method of discipleship is that it is incomplete by a long shot. Now, I will say it's better than nothing, and so I want to, I want to, I want to give recognition and thanks that some people are are recognizing. Well, we can't just expect somebody to to come to an altar to pray through and then to make it stick. Uh, we've seen the disastrous effects of that for. Uh, generations now. And so it's it's good that some people are trying to do something beyond uh, just hoping that it sticks. So so I do want to encourage uh, what you're starting, but I also want to encourage you to go deeper because uh, the 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 fully orbed picture of discipleship isn't based upon uh, a 16-week study guide. And and it's going to be a lot more robust. So we're going to talk about how to make it more robust, but also to help you realize that it doesn't have to be quite as complicated as maybe you might fear. So let's, uh, let's dig in a little bit deeper. So Jesus gave us the Great Commission and he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now in the, the old translations that says teach all nations and the word teach there is literally to make disciples. So Jesus is talking as a disciple maker to his disciples that he has been training over the past 3 years and he says, "What I have done to you, now you do to the rest of the world." So so get started. Okay, so what did Jesus do? Well, he was a disciple maker. He was a rabbi in the Jewish tradition. And so in that idea, in that context, he lived and he worked and he taught. And so I'm pretty confident he didn't have a a predefined outline or study guide or Bible study program with fill-in-the-blanks to use. Uh, He modeled the life that he wanted his disciples to live. He instructed them the way he wanted them to go, and then— He sent them out with various opportunities to follow, and we see that, of course, in passages like Matthew chapter 10, where he even sends them on a mission without him even being there. So, he was sending them on to execute their own ministry, then they come back and do a a debriefing on it later on. So, what does that look like? Well, let let me break it down this way. When I when I was young, uh, there were two things in life I wanted to do before Jesus came back. One of them <laughs> was uh, learn how to, uh, to to drive and get my license and the other one was of course to get married. Well, okay, so driving came first. So when I learned how to drive, uh, my dad took a lot of time to explain to me the ins and outs of the car, you know, how you take care of it, how you operate it. And of course, there are the rules of the road. And the standard the standard course of, uh, of events when you're learning how to drive is that you get your driver's permit and you drive under supervision for several months before you get your, your license. And so even before I got the permit, we had some space on the property and, and dad would give me the keys and I get to, to drive the truck back and forth, uh, loading up tools, bringing it up to the house, all sorts of fun stuff. And got used to how the vehicle felt, learning how to negotiate with turns and, and tight spaces. And so the time comes, you get your permit. Now, during that permitted time, uh, your parents stay with you in the front seat of the car, paying attention to every move, giving guidance on how to signal, check for blind spots, how to parallel park, make sure you, you pay attention, you keep this this 360 degree perspective with your your mirrors and your dashboard and the the horizon in front of you so that you're well aware of your environment that you're negotiating safely uh, along the road now what is that called that's called modeling that's called mentorship now after you complete that permitted time you get to go back and and you take a driving test and you do take a written test and so so there was bookwork required but that's more or less perfunctory uh, what's really essential is that you learn how to safely feel your way around the car and the traffic so that the bookwork just cinches up details uh, you can pass the bookwork and not get your license uh, because you don't have you know the coordination or the instincts that are, that are mature enough or developed enough uh, to actually uh, drive a vehicle safely. And I just want to challenge you that this is really how discipleship in a biblical context works. And so, you know, we have this idea of discipleship, and, and, and a lot of times our, our mental slot, our category, uh, goes towards that Sunday school room with the 16-week study guide or a, a, a Bible study and a cup of coffee and again that's not necessarily bad but that is incomplete and i think a better understanding of discipleship isn't a coursework but in reality i think a, a better term would be something like apprenticeship or a mentorship you know any certifiable skill in the workplace is going to require some bookwork but there's a tremendous amount of practical understudy experience that is done in real life situations. Quite frankly, uh, if, if you can't really write the book on everything. So there has to be some life-to-life transpondence because life shows up with different topics and different challenges. And, and sometimes when you're an electrical engineer, somebody didn't wire the house right, and so it got fried. And so while you understand the bookwork of electrical theory, uh, it, it, it's nice to have somebody with experience intuitively knowing what to look for and explaining that to the understudy. So that brings us to our first principle of simple biblical discipleship. Here it is. Simple discipleship involves a minimum of two interested people so that means you have to be involved, all right? Uh, this is not just a, a series of information that you give to somebody. This is a life-to-life transference, and so we can call this a mentor-mentee relationship, uh, but the idea here is that the mentee, he's humble, he's hungry, he's ready to learn, he's going to be submissive to guidance and correction, and the mentor He's experienced and he's patient and he's able to predict some of the pitfalls that the mentee is likely to encounter. In the context of faith, the disciple maker should involve the new disciple, the new mentee, in as many aspects of life as possible. and And I would challenge you to say that if the only time that the mentor and the mentee get to interact is, in a church service, a small group service, a Bible study, a Sunday school class, listen up. Failure is predictable, if not absolutely inevitable. Uh, There has to be a whole life transference there. The new believer needs to observe and experience how, how the mature believer works how he raises his family, how he treats his wife, how he enjoys times of recreation. uh, uh, you You can tell somebody, you know, you should not watch that movie or you shouldn't listen to that music, but you really need to model that with them and show them what you do with your recreational time so they catch a flavor of how the believer lives in holiness. You need to see, he needs to see the difference that Christ makes in the day-to-day lives of believers. What that does is that creates some sort of experiential context, experiential context. You know, many times people study the Word of God, but, but they don't understand things because They've had very limited exposure, very limited experiences to to, to categorize how to uh, o- obey in righteousness. Well, if you show them how we live and how every part of life comes under uh, a, a biblical perspective, well, then they're going to be able to say, ah, and start connecting the dots. So, So they've got to see it, and that means that you're going to have to be highly involved and they're gonna have to be highly involved. Simple discipleship involves a minimum of two people. Alright, so number two, simple discipleship is formed around the Bible. Now when I was learning to drive, my training was based on the state driver's manual. And so likewise, when an electrician learns the theory of electricity, he still has to conform to local building codes. and A mechanic Uh, They've got to follow procedures from a repair manual to work uh, on a a broken down vehicle. Now, the most important reading material for (laughs) any believer is the Bible. And it's important that you read the Bible. Uh, I I am continually horrified, astounded at how many believers anywhere in the world, they profess, oh, I love Jesus, oh, I love going to church, but they have not made a practice of reading their bible and many of them have never even read the bible all the way through after years and sometimes even decades of professing christ uh, that's that is uh, it's a shame uh, well mentor disciple maker it is your responsibility in training the new believer so that the new believer uh, is comfortable with and and familiar with how to read and interpret and apply scripture. Now, you don't necessarily need a course of study to go on a, a treasure hunt, so you look up a reference and fill in the blank. Uh, that doesn't really help in overall biblical interpretation. Uh, it's going to be good that you study the Bible together chapter by chapter and book by book and then as moments of life come in, you can say, well, this passage applies to this. And, and as time goes on and the years go on, uh, hopefully you will have covered some of that. Uh, and, and they'll have, again, that experiential capacity and, of course, that, uh, that, that biblical uh, connection. It is the mentor's responsibility to coach the mentee on how to read the Bible. So, I give often three basic guidelines. Three basic guidelines for Bible reading. Number one, read your Bible every day. Number two, read the whole Bible. I mean, it's our book, uh, so make sure you read it. Number three, take notes on what you read. I've got a lot more to develop in those areas, but if you'll just practice these three simple keys, uh, then you model that and you help your new believer to practice that. Uh, I promise you, as you go on in life and as as the both of you are obedient to the Spirit together, maturity will follow. So read the Bible every day. Where do you start? Well, that depends on the background of the new believer. So if the, the background is that they come from a Christian home, Uh, and they've already been predisposed to church, and maybe they've got some exposure to uh, Christian theology or thought, then go ahead and start with the Gospels. But I'm going to challenge you on this to be very aware. Most people do not come from a biblical background, and so they don't really know about sin or holiness or truth or justice. Uh, Most of how they feel about right and wrong, most of what they know, has come from the examples of sinful, dirty people around them and what they've seen on sinful, perverted screens. And so they have no context for understanding the righteousness of God and the holiness and the character of truth. So what do you need to do if you start in the middle of the book? Uh, it's it's not going to have the impact. You know, Jesus came into New Testament uh, after he had uh, spent about 4000 years setting up a context in the Old Testament. OK, so so what I want to challenge you to do is to start where God started. Now, of course, everybody should read the whole Bible uh, and, and and if people are already familiar they're already coming from a, a sympathetic background you can start in the new testament but for those of you in cross cultural contexts and those of you in postmodern contexts in the states well don't assume that they know about Moses don't assume that they know about uh, Elijah uh, it's it's astounding to me uh, how many people have no idea of that and they should so I would challenge you to think about going from start uh, to finish. And as you guys are reading your Bibles together, take notes, living life together, you're gonna have plenty of situations and scenarios to discuss, and then you're gonna be able to show how the Bible really does make sense in everyday situations. So, surprisingly simple discipleship. Oh, by the way, in case you haven't figured it out yet, simple, it doesn't mean easy. It just means that we're trying to make it understandable. Uh, we're going to make it doable. But just remember, any plan, no matter how good it looks on paper, is worthless if it's not executed. So executed. All right, so surprisingly simple discipleship involves a minimum of two people. Uh, and secondly, it, it is centered around the Word of God. So you need full exposure to the Word of God. Number three. Simple discipleship involves a broader community, and that means the church. You must involve other believers with a regular basis. Now, you might be the one who is primarily responsible, which is fine, that's good, but you cannot have this mentality that it's just me and the disciple and Jesus, Uh, There is community that is necessary. Any monk, any any hermit uh, can appear to be a saint. It's easy to seem holy when you're isolated from the opinions and irritating behaviors of other people. Uh, (laughs) But here's the deal. Jesus didn't die. Listen to me. Jesus did not die for individual converts. He died for his church that is community. And in fact, when you look through the scriptures, God has been looking not for individuals, he's been looking for a community that reflects his community. You see, God is trinity. He didn't create man because he was lonely. He's always had community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in relationship. And so when he formed the people of Israel, he said, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. And when the church comes into play, it's it's for the community of faith to fellowship together. When the, the epistles are written, it says Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, and you are being built together as a holy temple. So, there must be community, and that is essential and integral to how we disciple the first act of discipleship is given right there in the great commission therefore go into all nations uh, uh, therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them that is a public statement of identity baptizing them uh, into the name of the father the son and the holy spirit. And so that baptism not only not only does it represent the the symbolism of sins being washed away and a resurrection of new life it also the, the symbol itself identified people with community. And so when we think about that uh, the church is not merely this concept of one to three services per week. The church is a community of believers who are in an ongoing relationship with one another wherein they encourage one another to love and to good works. So you need to show your believers how we love the people that Christ died for, how we get along with the people that Christ died for, even... When we disagree with them, even when sometimes they irritate us, uh, boy, there's a lot to learn right there, and a, a lot of a lot of Christians, uh, you need to be discipled <laughs> while you work on discipling others. Now, discipleship without the local church is not discipleship. In fact, John Wesley said it: "There is no holiness without social holiness." So, you're gonna you're gonna be discipled in community because God is community, God's people are a community. All right, so here we go. What is surprisingly simple discipleship? It involves two people in a mentor-mentee relationship. It is centered around the word of God. It involves community. And fourthly, simple discipleship requires an outward focus. Discipleship cannot be reduced to just attending church, going to small group, having fellowships, weekend barbecues, trips to uh, retreats. Why do we have so many retreats in the Christian world? We should be ashamed of our. I'm waiting to see an advance. There is a group that I know of, the Crusaders. God bless you. Get your guys going towards something good. The rest of everybody is (laughs) retreating. Uh, Listen, we've got to get over Gatlinburg and and youth trips to Kings Island. That's not discipleship. God has always existed in a trinity of self-giving love, and that self-giving love gave birth to humanity. The uh, The people of God in Old and New Testaments were commissioned and challenged to give of themselves to bring God's light to the world. And Jesus modeled this in his preaching and teaching with the disciples. He sent them out without his presence, and he followed them up later on to, to, to kind of review and, and learn from what they did, for them to learn what they, what they did. Now, what's even more phenomenal than what happened in Matthew chapter 10 is that by the time we get to Matthew 28 and Acts chapter chapter 1, He ultimately sends them out and doesn't come back. Not in that sense. Uh, He says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, now you go from here. So it's, it's very important that we recognize if we're going to disciple somebody, they're not going to be just somebody who prays, tithes, goes to church, has devotions, and and has a reasonable amount of, of victory over sin. If you're gonna do your job, they're going to be doing their job in reaching the world. We're not gonna get trapped being a dead sea uh, with with all inlet and no outlet. For every inward focused event that uh, that you think about as a believer, whether it's going to the revival services or hearing a singing group or a camp meeting or a men's prayer breakfast or or potluck suppers, I want to challenge you for every one of those inward events where you're receiving benefits. I want to challenge you to prioritize an outward ministry to share the gospel, to engage with lost people. Uh, so so go on a, 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 a door-knocking plan to share Christ with your neighbors. Invite your neighbors over for a, a weekend barbecue and and start developing life. Go to the abortion clinics, and go to the bars, and go to the, hey, go to the strip clubs, and share Christ with people that are in desperate need, looking for something worth living for, and give them the truth. Hey, look for opportunities to go uh, to foreign cultures, whether that's in an inner city, or whether that's across the seas to somewhere, look for ways to share Christ and to make Him known globally. Make ministry a normal, regular, and expected part of your life. Now, we're gonna continue to develop uh, this journey, but I wanna challenge you with one last word. Don't wait until you've read enough books or articles. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, The Holy Spirit is going to be present to help you. You you don't have enough time to read through enough books. Just pray up and get started. The world needs disciple-makers who are going to share the light of Jesus with them. Surprisingly simple discipleship. It involves two people. You and your disciple. It involves the Word of God. Become robust in your understanding of God's Word. Read the Bible every day. Read the whole Bible. Take notes on what you read so you can retain it and use it. Number three, discipleship involves community. Start developing healthy relationships within the local church. Jesus Christ is coming for His church. And number four, look for an outward ministry focus. Get involved in helping your disciple to reach out to others and to make more disciples and watch what God will do when you just show up for ministry. Thanks again for joining us today on the EFM podcast. Our mission as an organization is to plant churches and to encourage and help our national believers carry out the Great Commission in their own cultures and beyond and your church is part of that. Until the harvest is full, this is your host, Tom Tyndale, signing off till next time.